Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, can you just lift up your hands? Lord, we are so hungry for you. There's a desperation in our hearts for more of you. Lord, we do not want to go through just religious traditions. Lord, we want from the depths of our heart to have a purity, to love you with all of our heart, and to receive from you everything that you desire to invest into us, body, soul, and spirit. So right now, I decree over this house that hunger is increasing. I decree over this house that signs, wonders, and miracles are our portion. I decree over this house that there is a tangible presence and the power of the Spirit of God functioning in our lives, in our families, everywhere we go, every sphere of influence. And Lord, we decree and declare and say, let it begin in us. Do a work in us so you can do a work through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, praise God. Um, I want to piggyback a little bit off of what Pastor said last week when he talked about uh, in creation, it was God the Father, it was God the Son, and it was God the Holy Spirit in creation. And to back that up, Again, in John 1, it says, Jesus was the word made flesh. John 1, 1, in the beginning, say the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning, there was the word, and the word, say the word, was God. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So who was the word in the beginning? It was Jesus. And Jesus was made flesh. And then at the end of that verse, it says, with grace and with truth. So we can recognize that from the very beginning, a part of creation was the word, the word was made flesh in Jesus, and that that word is truth. Not my truth or your truth, the truth. It was the truth. Do you realize when we go to the word of God, the word of God is the mind of God in written form. Right here, this Bible is the mind of God in written form. And God himself, by the Holy Spirit, lives inside us when we have received Jesus. And the Holy Spirit inside of us is the mind of God in quickened form. 
So I'll get into that word quickened a little bit more in a bit. But we must recognize that the Trinity, our Father God, so loved us that he caused the word to be made manifested on this earth to pay the price for us so that God, the Holy Spirit, could live inside of us to make us alive. We were not designed to survive. We were designed to thrive. We were not designed to barely get along in life, suffer through life, and that someday in the sweet by and by, all our troubles will be gone. And the fact is, every trouble will be gone when Jesus returns or we go home. But the fact is, God has ordained us to so have the word of God written on the tablets of our heart, so much so that we can bring heaven to earth. That who we are internally can align with the Father's heart, can align with the word Jesus Christ, and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The fact is, you're not alone. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. So whatever you face in this life, it's not in your own strength. Think about it. Actually, I brought, put one of my little things I wear, and it says, God is in me. I cannot fail. God is in me. I cannot fail. Say, well, why do we fail? We forget God is in us. We forget that the word of God was made manifested and literally the spirit of God inspired what we have right here. The power of the word of God. It is not a book of legalism and rules. It is a book that reveals the nature of our God. God's word is absolute truth. And if you have your Giving Light app, I probably won't cover everything today, but there are just so many aspects of the word of God. I only gave a sampling, and then I have the scriptures to back it up. So if I don't get to everything today, you can do your own self-study from your app, from the sermon notes. But God's word is absolute truth. Psalms 119.89, forever, say forever. forever. It has never stopped, and it never will stop. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your word is settled in heaven. Do you know what settled means? It means to take one stand, to stand firm, and to be established. When we believe the word of God, we're going to be able to stand firm. No matter how much shaking is going on, we're going to be established in the word of God. I know people in this room who have faced some major big challenges, but guess what? They stood firm on the word of God. They were unmovable. They were unshakable, not because they're all that, but because God lives in us. We have testimonies. We have stories. We have, we have a life that has been so empowered by the Spirit of God. Whenever I try to take on life on my own, I'm on shaky ground. If Melody thinks that she has the ability to stand on her own, I will quickly fall. If I put myself on a proverbial pedestal, guess what? I've positioned myself to fall. But when I stand on absolute truth, 
I'm unshakable. I'm able to be established. I'm able to stand. Sometimes people look at you like, you're believing for this? Don't you see the reality? Look at our world. Don't you see the reality? I am seeing the reality. I'm seeing the reality in the heart of the Father. I'm seeing the reality through the work of Jesus. I'm not seeing darkness as the reality. I'm looking at light as the reality. Isn't that right? It's what are we looking at? What is our perspective? What is God, our attention, will have our direction. Hey, we all face stuff. Come on. Pastor says, I got stuff, you got stuff, all God's children got stuff. He says it for so many different things, right? We all got stuff. But I'll tell you, when we have the word of God written upon the tablets of our heart by the Holy Spirit, guess what? You are already victorious, you are already positioned to experience God's best. You know, our world says it's my truth. You ever hear that? Well, this is my truth. I don't really care what your truth or my truth is. Just because I think that's true doesn't make it true. But when I go to the word of God, I recognize that's true. Have you ever read a scripture or has anyone ever encouraged you in the Lord and you go, but you don't realize this is what I'm facing. We're not denying what we're facing. We're just saying there is a higher truth. There's a more powerful truth that comes from our creator. Even, you know, you know me, I love going into science. I love it because it's a beautiful tool that allows me to take biblical principles into the marketplace arena. But the fact is, all science is, they discover what God said all along. <laughs> I just got this certification, and it's all this science of thinking, and I won't get into the whole thing. But as I'm going through a very long, intense, since I think it was March, intense training and learning all this stuff, while they're training, I'm going, scriptures are exploding in my brain. This is science-based. I go, yes, I believe it is because the Bible says this and this and this and this and this. I'll tell you everything. I just had scriptures exploding inside of me. So I'm not trusting in just what they taught me. Because if what they said did not align with the word of God, I would have threw it out. Right? I love this, and I just got to throw it in. Uh, I did a training years ago on the proof that the Word of God is absolute, the proofs, the, uh, the evidence that Jesus is the Christ. It's a great thing I'll have to put together for you sometime, but listen to this. In education, in our world, they have textual texts written, reliability standards. So for them to see something as a reliable manuscript, they have two standards. One, they have to find a lot of copies. And I'm not talking about current things. I'm talking about things thousands of years ago. They have to find a lot of copies, and they have to be in a reasonably short amount of time. How many of you ever heard of Homer's Iliad? Yeah, 
They talk about it in school. We might have read it in school. This is a reliable document. They found 643 copies of Homer's Iliad. So they know, hey, this is the real deal. This is a genuine, authentic manuscript because we found 643 copies. We have movies galore about Caesar. Do you ever watch a movie about Caesar? The different Caesars, right? We study about Caesar in school. This is true. This is factual information about Caesar. Do you know how many manuscripts they found? Seven. Do you know how many manuscripts they found of the word of God? And see, it's not just finding them. They have to be the same. They have to support one another. Do you know how many manuscripts they found of the Hebrew text? 29,500. How can anyone in the educational system not see that the word of God has amazing validity when it has almost 26,000 copies found in a very short amount of time. And the Greek has over 6,000. So there's over 30,000 copies of the word of God found proving or should prove to those in the world that this is authentic and reliable. This is absolute truth. The word of God is absolute truth. Number two, I know that was a long number one. Number two, God's word leads us and gives us revelation. I love this because we're not alone. God's word is alive. The Holy Spirit makes it alive. Have you ever been reading the Bible and, and the light bulbs begin to go off in your brain? You're going, oh my gosh, I get it. I understand it. Wow, I never saw it that way before. Psalms 119.105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I follow the principles of the word of God, it'll show me where to go. It'll teach me how to make decisions. It'll show me what I can put my trust in. The word of God is true. I've had defining moments in my life, encounters with God, where he spoke to me. And one way I knew that he was speaking to me is everything he spoke to me aligned with the word of God. He showed me purpose. He showed me passion. And even in this, in this uh, certification I just recently got, it was like last January of, January of this year, and I was just praying and I knew about this certification for at least eight years uh, because the man who brings the training, uh, he's just been a, a great mentor to me over the last eight years and um, in the marketplace arena. And I kept get that certification. And I kept talking myself out of it because I didn't want to do it because that's a lot of work. I don't want to go through all that. Okay, I've got enough under my belt. I don't need anything else, right? Okay, I got my thing going. And after two months, I go, if I'm 
having to talk myself out of this all the time. I must recognize that God is pulling me towards those things. And then he began to speak to me and he began to give me revelation. Those are defining moments. Those are encounters where we're so aware of our father's voice. We're so aware when he speaks to us. And the fact is when God speaks to us, let me tell you, I forget where it's at because I feel like I have to clarify this a little bit. We are his sheep and his sheep hear his voice. I think it's in Acts 5. It says, I have chosen you to know my will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words of my mouth. As a son or daughter of the living God with the spirit of God dwelling inside of us, literally inside of us, we can hear the voice of God. And the more we are aware that God is speaking to us, it is a light unto our path. It is through those things that we make decisions. So even this year, I really didn't feel like taking on another huge responsibility, but the fact was I was very aware of the unction of the Holy Spirit. I recognized that the Holy Spirit was leading me. He's not just doing that for me. He's doing it for you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Something happens inside of us when we're hungry for God. I'm married to a man. Yeah. A man who Amen. likes to eat. <laughs> and if he doesn't have food, he can get hangry, right? See, when we get hungry... And sometimes we're feeling a little angry. Maybe we haven't gotten the word. Maybe we been, haven't been feeding ourselves fully on the power of the word of God. Today, my desire is to stir in you, not out of legalism, not just checking off, I got my scriptures read, not going through this like, okay, now God's got to be pleased with me because I did my duty. Remember when I taught on the difference between obligation and choice? When I do things out of obligation, it already starts out bad because I got negative attitudes. But when I make a conscious, deliberate choice, it literally releases the ability to be able to not just love what I'm doing, but be impacted and impact others by what I'm doing. Because there's a purity. There's a purity when we choose. Remember? I'm not obligated to this man. I choose him. Every day, maybe multiple times a day, I choose him. It's a choice. After almost 47 years, I'm still choosing him. Every morning I get up and I say, Father, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. Holy Spirit, I choose you. Those are the first words out of my mouth when I wake up. Because when I make a conscious choice to choose him, it allows him to be a light unto my path. And then through the day, I'm, I choose Stephen. 
But guess what? When I choose my God, everything else falls into line. Number three, God's word quickens us. This is the word I couldn't wait to get to. God's word quickens us. The Holy Spirit inside will take the word of God and cause it to become alive. So if we read the word of God, not out of obligation, but out of desire, out of hunger, out of a choice, when we read with a passion, because this is, Jesus is the word made flesh. And this is the mind of God in written form. And the Holy Spirit will make it alive. Say, why do you keep saying it? Because when we start believing it, we'll start valuing it. And when we value it, we will pursue it. God's word quickens us. John 6, 63. It is the spirit, the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you're even receiving the things I'm saying today right now, it will generate life in you. I believe it'll generate. What? What is a testimony? A testimony is saying, this is what God's done. So if God did it for Ashley, he's going to do it for me. If God did it for Melody, he's going to do it for you. Because whenever the word of God comes alive, the fact is, it brings life. Body, soul, and spirit. The word quicken means to live prosperously. Well, I don't feel very prosperous. The more I feed on the word, the more prosperity it will bring. And I'm not just talking financially, but it'll do that too, because my God supplies all your need, body, soul, spirit, financially, socially, relationally, every area, every aspect of my life, the type of wife I am, the type of grandma I am, uh, the type of mom that I am, the type of pastor I am, the type of consultant I am, all that I am, the fact is when the Holy Spirit quickens inside of me, it will make me prosperous. I pray before I preach, but I pray even harder before I have a consulting job because I'm being a light in darkness. And when I speak to these individuals, I can't give them chapter and verse. So I need to hear from God to give me the direction and to be able to speak into their lives something that touches their spirit man when they don't even know it's the Holy Spirit, but guess what it is? I've had individuals say, wow, how did you know that? You're really good at what you do, and they think it's my certifications. No, it was Jesus. <laughs> He makes us prosperous. It means to revive from sickness. The word of God will empower us to be revived. It doesn't say in the Bible that sickness isn't going to come in this fallen world. But the word of God revives us from sickness, from discouragement. Okay, 
If you in your life have never been discouraged, you need to stand up now, jump, and do a dance. And nobody here is doing it, right? Because we all know what it's like to be discouraged. We all know what it's like to feel disappointed. But when the Holy Spirit starts quickening us, now my attention is on what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying to me, not my circumstances. The more discouraged I am, the more I need to run to the Word of God so the Holy Spirit can quicken that to me. It means to revive from faintness, meaning exhaustion not just physical, emotional. Have you ever used by 10 o'clock in the morning all your emotional energy is allotted for that day? (laughs) In Daniel 7, it talks about the strategy of the enemy because the fact is, guys, we have an enemy. The thief comes, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We are living in a world where there is a battle between light and darkness a battle between lies and truth, a battle between sickness and divine healing. We're in a battle, guys. And our weapon, our greatest weapon of war is the Word of God. This is what's going to empower us. And so in Daniel 7, it says that the enemy has a strategy, and that strategy is to wear out the saints. If we can get you so exhausted, you don't know what to do. Do you ever just feel wore out? I don't know how to go another day. I'm exhausted. The battle is so intense, you wake up tired. That's the enemy's strategy because if he can weaken you and wear you out, then the soil of your heart will respond to what he wants to bring poverty, sickness, and death. But the Word of God revives us from that weariness. He revives us from death. And it also means to cause to grow. So he's delivering us from the things that want to destroy us, and he literally positions us to grow and advance. Guess what? Where you're at now is not where you're going to be. Isn't it true? If you can relate to this, I want you to lift your hand. Where you're at today is a whole lot better place than where it was 10 years ago. (laughs) But guess what, guys? 10 years from now, you'll look back and say, wow, look what my God has done. Because he's quickening his word, and that word is causing us to grow and advance and increase and multiply and mature to overcome. We're all a work in progress. None of us have arrived and none of us will arrive on this side of time. In fact, I'm convinced we will spend all of eternity advancing, growing, increasing, and multiplying. And we won't have the enemy to deal with. Jesus speaks something to us and we go, wow. And it's sealed in our hearts. Because there is no thief to try to come and steal that truth away. Psalms 119, 116, uphold me, lift me up. Sometimes I just need someone to hold me up. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Which leads us into number four. God's word gives us hope. 
Hope is having a joyful expectation for good. And no matter what we're facing, the best thing we can do for ourselves is hope in good. Expect good. Many people say, I don't want to pray because I don't want to get disappointed. I would rather believe for God's highest and best and fall a little short of it than to believe for the very worst and get it. Come on, let's shoot. Let's shoot for the proverbial stars. Come on. If God's word says it, that's the direction that he's taking us. Psalms 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. His word is like putting a shield. When the enemy is firing those fiery darts, guess what? He's putting up a shield. His word is like, go ahead. You just shoot those arrows, devil, all you want, and it's going to backfire on you because God says, listen, instead of your shame, instead of disgrace, you're going to have a double portion. What the enemy meant for your harm, I'm going to turn it around for good. Let the devil give his best shot because it's going to backfire in the kingdom of darkness. Everything in my personal life that the devil tried to destroy in my life from the time I was two years old with molestation, you guys know my story and all the crazy years, but the fact is, God says, that is not the end of the story. Guys, your story is in the process of being rewritten. It doesn't matter what those past chapters were. Yeah, we got to deal with them, but we get to write, rewrite new chapters. Now, when someone says, tell me your story, we're focusing on the new chapters that are being written. We remember the old chapters. We can connect to, the pe connect to people because of those old chapters. But now our perspective, our internal narrative is based upon what my God has done, not what the enemy did. It's a completely different way of viewing things through hope, and that comes through the Word of God. I'll just skip that. Number five. Okay, this is a big one. God's Word keeps us from sin. Well, we don't like to talk about sin in church. <laughs> but you know what sin is? We are so bad at, I want to say good at, because it's not a good thing. But we so characterize sin. Well, this sin is worse than this sin. And we literally put it on a thing of what is worse. So if you're out there doing this perverted thing, that's terrible. But if you gossip, oh, well, that's not as bad as that. What is sin? It is every thought and every action, thought, and every action that's contrary to the word of God. Contrary to the heart of God. And it's not just my actions, it's my thoughts. I'll dig into that in a little bit. In the Old Testament, they had to do something to have the consequences of it. Right? In the New Testament, if you even think about it, it's just like doing it. It says, if you hate, you're a murderer. If you hate, you've already committed murder in your heart. Okay, shall we all have an altar call right now? Because how many of us have not hated? Come on. 
right? It's as if you even think, if you even look at a woman or a man and lust after them in your heart, you've already committed adultery because it's happening in here. It's not just the actions, it's what's going on in my head. That's why we need the word of God quickened inside of us because it's not about what we do, it's about what we become. And when we become what God's called us to become, then it's not even a part of our thinking. Hey, I smoked big time. There was a few years of my life, four packs of cigarettes a day. That was woven into my neural memory. I had to have that cigarette hanging out of my mouth continually. It was my pacifier, right? It just kind of soothed me, helped me to survive. But Stephen wouldn't marry me until I quit. So I suffered. In the middle of the night, I'd be rooting through the garbage, hunting for a butt with a little bit of tobacco on the end. <laughs> Help me get through the night. But when I stopped, I never had another cigarette since. But I will tell you that for almost 10 years, I wanted to. For almost 10 years, somebody light a cigarette in the street and I go, come on guys, don't act so holy, come on. You are positionally holy, but you know, we all got our stuff, right? God's word keeps us from sin, but it's not just our actions, it's our thoughts. Psalms 119, 133 is order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity. Iniquity is not sin, it's a propensity. It could be generational. It can be mental habits. We do something long enough, and it becomes a part of us. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So we feed on it here so much that eventually it wants to be manifested outside of us. So it says, order my steps in your word, if our focus is the word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And iniquity is a propensity or a desire. Yeah, maybe I stopped smoking cigarettes, but for 10 years I had a propensity to want to smoke cigarettes. See, God, he so loves us that he wants us to be free internally as well as our external, external actions. Because the fact is, when this comes into a line with heaven, what I do externally will just be a byproduct. I won't have to bite my tongue. Well, bite your tongue, don't say it. Well, I don't wanna think it. This is a lifelong process, okay? But it's one that we wanna pursue. When I was in my late 30s, maybe it was 40 years old, I was very addicted to sugar. Stephen and I would occasionally get a half gallon of ice cream, cut it in half, and that was our supper. It was so good. Ice cream was my, ice cream was my big deal. So I determined 
no more, no more sugar. For about 20 years, sugar did not pass my lips. After that, you know, occasionally I might have a bite of this or a bite of that, but all those years, I've not really had sugar. I use a lot of stevia in my coffee because I sure like the sweet taste. But you know what? I still have a propensity for sugar. That means I still want it. Whether I'm eating it or not, I still want it. I have dreams at night. I remember my dreams. And I'll tell you, if I have a dream where somebody puts a big piece of decadent chocolate cake, I mean that real moist chocolate cake with the layers of chocolate icing, you know, this intense death by chocolate stuff. I have a dream about that. I know I'm dreaming. So go for it, Melody. This is a dream. And I'm like pigging out on the chocolate cake. And then I wake up and I laugh at myself and say, Melody, you have not been delivered from sugar. I might not do it on the outside, but inside I want to do it. My grandkids want something sweet, so I live vicariously through them and let them have it. They can pick a snack every Sunday they come over, whatever that snack is. If they get Cheez-Its, I don't really care about that. But if they get something sweet, I go, wow. I still have that propensity. Why am I saying these things? It's because we, we have to recognize that we're a work in progress. And right here it says, keep me from sin. Keep me from the propensity to want to do things. Maybe there's a propensity towards anger. Maybe there's a propensity towards gossip or criticism or judgment. Maybe there's a propensity to treat people in a way that you know doesn't honor God. And maybe that's what you grew up with. Maybe that's how you saw your parents respond. Maybe it's the hurts and the battles and the struggles that you went through that were living a self-protective life. Whatever it is, there are reasons why we are drawn to do certain things, and it's a propensity. And so God doesn't just say, I'm not just concerned about what you do externally. I want to remove that propensity. And what will remove that propensity? It's the word of God. There is power in the word of God. Psalms 119, 9 through 11. I love this. Wherewithal shall a young man or woman, old man, old woman, middle age, whatever you're at, okay, cleanse his way. How can we cleanse our way? By taking heed according to thy word. How do we do that? With my whole heart have I sought you. I pray you came to church because you want to seek God. I pray you're here because you're hungry for him. You want more. With my whole heart have I sought you. Let me not wander from thy commandments. You see, there it is. There's the rules, his commandments. You know what? Every commandment in the word of God is God saying, if you do this, your life will be so much better. You want me to show you how you can love life? How you can see good days? Let me tell you how. You gotta forgive. You gotta forgive. No, let me tell you what's gonna set you free. 
Because to forgive someone is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Lewis Seed said that. God knows exactly what will bring freedom internally. With my whole heart have I sought you, and let me not wander from your commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. God, I'm going to put your word in my heart, not out of religious traditions or I have to get so many verses in or I got to do this and I must do this and I should do this and I have to do this. No, I want to. I want the word of God to be put inside of me so that the Holy Spirit can make it alive so my future can be better than my present and a whole lot better than my past. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God says, if you feed on the word of God, it's going to sanctify you. Do you know what sanctify means? It means to separate from any profane thing and be dedicated to God. Anything that tried to eat my lunch. You guys don't know me, but I was this man-hating Women's liver, man, guy came along, I was in, I mean, I, I was a messed up person. You know what? When we're sanctified, we are separate. That was, I, that, that wasn't even Melody then. That was a messed up Melody. That was not who God created Melody to be. I didn't know Jesus at that time, but I'm telling you where I was was not God's creation for me. And when I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And he invaded my world. And I won't go into that whole story, even for the new ones who don't know it. And he invaded my world. Guess what? He began to set me apart from those things that were destroying me so that I could step into the thing that could empower me. It means to purify. You know what? When Jesus paid the price for us, he put his blood on the mercy seat. So when the Father looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Jesus. He said, yeah, I know, you're, I know, Charlene, I know you're struggling with this, but you know what I see in you? That's what the Father says. I'm looking at you through the blood of Jesus. I'm seeing the purity of who I created you to be. And the more you know that, the more you believe that, the more we can experience that on this side of time. We don't have to wait till we go to heaven to experience the awareness of how pure we are in God, how loved we are by God. It means to purify internally by the renewing of the soul. You know what? In your spirit, man, your spirit, man, is perfect. It can't get any more perfect. If Jesus lives inside of you, you are washed in the blood. That's who you are. That is the real you, your spirit, man. But the fact is, life happens to us, and it affects our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's why the more we feed upon the word of God, it cleanses our soul. It renews our mind. It helps us once again to rewrite that story. God wants to take us 
to where we do not live an ethical life, but a moral life. I did uh, training for a division of uh, the Army, and that division of the Army had an $8 billion budget. So once a year, they had to have values and ethics training, because these people were dealing with a lot of money. They're the ones that made the decision over these $8 billion. So I was in like on the highest levels of this army division. It was about ethics, about what they should do, what they need to do, what they have to do, what they must do. You're handling this money, this is the way you better do it. That's ethical. But do you know what moral is? It never, ever enters my mind. For example, moral, when it comes, let's say, to adultery, a moral person never even thinks about it, doesn't cross their mind. Somebody said, hey, wouldn't you like to commit adultery in your wife? Absolutely not. It doesn't even cross my mind. That's a moral person. Why? Because the word of God has so changed us on the inside of us that there's nothing in my thought life that even wants to go there. Ethical is, the thoughts might hit, but I know I shouldn't, so I won't. So we can live an ethical life, never, ever, 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 ever do anything like that. But if we think about it and desire it and feed on it, we might be ethical, but we're not being moral. We can be ethically consistent, but morally inconsistent in our thoughts. Okay, that was a deep dive, wasn't it? Because it's not just about what we do. It's about what's happening in us. And I, this is not a get down on us message. This is the place that the Spirit of God wants to take us, and he has given us the way to get there. We will not totally, completely, I don't know. We can go as far as we want to go. The more we pay the price, the farther we can grow in that. I might be extreme, but I'm driven Man, I know what it's like to live the first 21 years of my life. Well, actually, the first 37 years of my 21 years that I wasn't saved, and then the next 16 years of my life, yeah, I was saved. I was pastoring with Stephen in this house. We came and started this church. But guess what? I was messed up on the inside. I was hurting. I was grieving. All those who took my shame and fear control, they know what was going on inside of me. Here I was pastoring and hurting probably more or as much as every person in the house. How can I lead somebody where I didn't have the ability to go myself? Everything inside of me wants to be in a place. Yes, for me, for my children, for my grandchildren, for my marriage, to build the kingdom of God, to be in a better place so I can help other people. Not with judgment, because the fact is, if you were as messed up with me as me, 
<laughs> you don't have to worry about me judging you at all. Because I've been there, I've bought those t-shirts, I get it. Whenever there is judgment, whenever there is condemnation, we'll want to hide, we'll want to run from God. But whenever there's a conviction saying, where I'm at now is not where I'm going. So I'm going to run to the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm going to run to his word and allow that to be quickened on the inside of me. Number six, and I'm going to close soon. I won't finish. But God's word gives us wisdom and understanding. Everything that we do not understand, we will be critical of. I can look at something externally and make a judgment, and I have no idea the person's heart. That's what's so beautiful about our God. He sees our why. There was a lot of people who judged me, Sonia, but they didn't know my why. I can look at you and judge you, but I don't know your why. God knows our why. There is no judgment. He loved us so much, he sent Jesus to pay the price. He knows our why, so there's no judgment. But his love draws us to him. Psalms 119, 169. Let, me cry, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding. The first place to gain understanding is in here. If I can see through his eyes, not just who I am, but who you are. If I can look at you Knowing the blood of the mercy seat, I'm going to see you as God has ordained. I can look at a person that's a non-believer doing and acting in ways that are completely contrary to what I believe. But there's a why. They have a why. They have a battle. They have a struggle. They have a past that God knows. God only knows. And I love this one, and I'm going to stop after this one. God's word brings deliverance. I love that because everything I said up to now, God's word will bring us deliverance. He will set us free. He is not moved by our fears, our battles, our struggles, uh, the lies that we believe, none of those things, because if we feed on the word, that word itself will bring us deliverance. What brought me began the process of deliverance for me was when God revealed to me that I was that shame, fear, control cycle, the cake, for those who know my story. And immediately he began to show me in the word of God that that shame, that fear, and that control began back in the garden. When Adam and the woman sinned. They hid themselves. That was the control part. They hid themselves from the presence of God because they were afraid because they were naked. Before they were naked and there was no shame. Now they saw their nakedness and there was a whole bunch of shame going on. And they were afraid. So they ran from God. 
God started giving me scriptures. He took me to Isaiah 61. Instead of shame, you're going to have double. Melody, don't worry about all that shameful stuff. I get it. I understand it. But I want to let you know I'm giving you a double portion. Look at all the enemy stole from you. Get ready. I'm going to give you double. And you're going to have a double inheritance. And your children, whatever God does in you, and your children will be known among the nations and your offspring among the people. Whatever God has done in you, Rob and Charity, it wasn't just for you. It was so that your children would be blessed, that they would be known among the nations and among the people. And everything that the enemy tried to bring in your life to steal, kill, and destroy from you, he says, don't worry about it. I got you covered with a double portion. And it's going to impact you, and it's going to impact your children. That's how our God works. That's generational blessing. You're paying a price now for future generations. Why? Because there's deliverance. The moment we receive Jesus is the beginning of our salvation. We get a whole, I mean, beginning of our deliverance. We get a whole new spirit, right? Luke eleven twenty 20 in the NIV says, but if I drive out demons, if I, oh my gosh, now I'm in a place, the spirit of God dwells inside of me. I actually have the ability to drive out demons. Look, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, finger, no big deal, Wasn't it Jesus was resurrected by the finger of God, correct? Help me, theologian. Yep. <laughs> but Jesus was resurrected by the finger of God. That's all it took for Jesus to be resurrected. The power in the finger of God. Oh, my goodness. So as we're reading the word of God, he says, listen, I'm pointing you out right now. My finger is there to bring deliverance. If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to me. What is the kingdom? It's the rule and reign of God. No longer does Melody rule and reign her own life. No longer can the devil try to dictate the rule of my life. But now, God himself, the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, dictates my life. I won't finish it. I want to quit. So you can go to your app and you can read a whole bunch more things. But I want to close with something that I think is so powerful. Because the fact is, I shared with you God's highest and best. And our way to get there is through the word of God. Right? But how many of you know life happens? The enemy does come to steal, kill, and destroy. Very rarely do we go through a day where we don't have a challenge. Fears try to come in. We hear something on the news, whatever it might be. Did you ever just wake up, you went to bed fine, and you woke up in the morning, and there was like this heaviness on you? Like, where in the world did that come from? It comes from the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is so afraid of you. He's so afraid of a person who has 
Not just Jesus living inside of them, but knows their authority and their power, right? Life happens, and we face stuff, and we feel stuff. Come on, shake your head. You agree? Yeah. So when we go to the Word of God, the first thing that happens is it begins to shift us out of the battle and shift us in to the kingdom of heaven. Shift us out of the lie because now we're reading the truth. Shift us out of the things that want to make us afraid as we lean upon what God says. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. Yes, but this is happening in my body. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. When we go to the word of God, it helps us shift our thinking. Because where is the place of our salvation, ultimately in our spirit, but it's the saving of our soul. That's what sanctify means. Now my soul, my mind, my thoughts are being changed. It's shifting out. And when I shift out of what the enemy is trying to do or what life is throwing at me, and I feed on the word of God, my perspective begins to change in alignment with God. And when that takes place, now my actions, now my attitudes, now my words, now my confession, now the thing that I declare and decree, does it make everything go away in a moment? No, but now I'm thinking differently. And when I start thinking differently, I start believing differently. And when I believe differently, it releases heaven to be made manifested on this earth. I love the scripture in Isaiah where God gives us an invitation to embrace his thoughts and his ways. Because the moment my thoughts align with God's thoughts, then heaven becomes a reality in my life. We make our battles so big when in actuality, you just add truth and it'll literally dismantle that big lie. I know in this house through the years, we might have faced something one here or there or whatever was going on, but we got rocked to the very core of us as we saw God do the supernatural. I can't explain everything. I don't know everything. But the fact is, we're going to believe God that his word is true concerning you. And the more of us that come together where the word of God is our plumb line, not only will it stir a hunger inside of us, but we'll see greater manifestations because we've shifted out of all the lies, the harassment of the enemy. Will it stop? No, nah, not on this side of time. Will we not have any more problems? Not on this side of the time, we will. But 
the hope we have in the word of God is so much more powered. Look what Jesus went through. Look, he went into hell and it just took a finger of God. So we've got to trust in the finger of God. You say, Ashley, okay, that's taken care of. Or, hmm, let me give you revelation and show you how to walk this out. Because as you walk it out, you'll be transformed internally. It took me a couple years to overcome the shame, fear, and control. But those couple years so built something inside of me that when shame comes knocking at my heart's door, which it does, I go, shut up, devil. I'm not going back to that. There is no way I'm going back to that. Shut up, fear. I'm not going back. I know what it was like living in torment, living in fear all the time. I'm not going back there. You just shut up right now. That's what we have. Yes, in the world we face tribulations, but be of good cheer because he's already overcome. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. Lord, I just thank you that there's a hunger stirring inside of us, a desire, a passion for your word. And Lord, I just thank you that the Holy Spirit inside of us will quicken that word to our hearts in such a powerful way that the things that we've been battling with, the things that we've been struggling with, we're going to see dismantled uh, literally in front of our eyes. And we're going, Lord, this is just amazing how you took that thing that tripped me up for for years and you literally took away its power. And so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask for the power of heaven to be made manifested for each one in the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against every lie of the enemy, we condemn right now in the name of Jesus and we declare and decree that our futures are much, much, much greater than our past. And that the, the, our past does not control us today and our today will not control our future. So I bless each one now and I just thank you and praise you for your goodness, oh God, your power and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.